All right, parenting in the 21st century is a piece of cake, right? Easiest thing you've ever done. You just follow the manual that came with your child, you know, unique to your child, and, and you're good, right? You guys are going to have to wake up here, okay? We, we are an interactive church, and, and online, you guys have got plenty of chances to, to interact, so you got people responding to you. Um, in fact, in fact, right now, I want to ask you a question, and, um, and I want to actually ask you to, to pull out your phones, if you will, okay? Don't be texting somebody else, but just go ahead and pull out your phones, if you will. And, uh, and I, I want to ask you a question that, uh, that, that you can text. I want to get a response back from you. So I want you to text parent to this number. And then I would really love to, to hear what your biggest struggle in parenting is, or grandparenting. Uh, you know, if you're a teacher, uh, you know, just put parenting under the guiding a child category. And I'm going to ask you, go ahead to, to do that now. Uh, when you text that, you're going to get a, 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 a little, you know, response back. And, and I'm going to ask you to take 30 seconds of awkward silence here and actually answer the question, okay? Because I really want your feedback. I want to know from your, uh, your own experience what is the, the biggest struggle challenge in your parenting. And we're going we're gonna to integrate some of this next week. So get ready for 30 seconds of awkward silence as you are answering this question. If you're a child, you are not allowed to look over at your parent's phone. Parents, you can go ahead and shield that if you wish. Uh, and again, grandparenting or any other kind of leadership that you're doing with somebody in the next generation counts for this. What's your biggest struggle? You guys keep writing, keep writing. You know, it's funny how that changes at each life stage, life cycle. When you've got a newborn and you're trying to sleep, there's one level. Um, when you're uh, the parent of a teenager and you can't sleep until they get home, that's another level. Um, we're going to try to address some of these. All right, and just so you know, we do have a monitor system in place, so if you're on CNN right now or, or Fox News or something, we know. And uh, All right, thank you guys for, for that. I look forward to, to seeing some of your responses. Feel free, if you didn't have enough time, uh, to, to go back and, and add something else through the week. It's, it's really easy. In fact, what I've done with this number in my own phone is I've just put uh, Severn texting, and then uh, I just pull it up, and, and I, can, I can easily have it available. I want to begin with a word of prayer. We're going to jump in to parenting in the 21st century, this piece of cake exercise we're all called to. Not. Father God, thank you so much for being Father. Thank you for modeling for us the call of love. Help us to surrender, Father, in our brokenness. Help us to invite you into the imperfections of our family. Help us to have hope that nothing is impossible with you, and God, that with your power unleashed in life, love can do anything. Thank you, Father, for taking care of your kids, for loaning them to us, and for having all the answers we need. In Jesus, and all God's people say, Amen. 
Well, I want to kind of lay a foundation for us uh, as parents uh, before we really kind of talk about the parenting part, because if you don't know who you are, then you're not going to know what you're supposed to do. And I want to expand a little bit on something we talked about last week, and that is that in Christ, we mature in faith to become a child. And we don't normally think of that, that direction, that trajectory, that's kind of backwards from the way that it is in the world, you know. But in the kingdom of God, things are not backwards, they're right side up. And, and, and so a lot of our broken adultness and all of our buying into the ways of this world have to be reversed in the kingdom of God. When we enter the, the realm of the Spirit of God and, and to be God-guided is very, very different than to be, than to be guided with the, the things of this world. In Matthew 18, 2 through 3, Jesus called a little child to him and placed the child among all of these grown-up adults who were arguing, um, you know, and, and, and being difficult. And I, I just want you to picture this, this scenario. Um, I don't know what the most official setting that you've ever been in is, the most, uh, um, you know, pompous or uh, formal, but I want you to picture that setting with all the adults there and, and, and all the things that they think is important. And just, just hold that for a second. I was in Brazil, um, which is a, a, a wonderful, amazing culture, uh, different than our own in, in so many ways. And, uh, and we were building a building that would be used for a church to meet in. And Brazilian culture, at least Brazilian Baptist culture at that time, uh, had lots of rules and lots of ways that things were done. The missionaries, for instance, lived in what we would call, you know, middle-class neighborhoods. But um, one of the missionaries received uh, some, some, you know, not just dirty looks, but but uh, notes and uh, an actual correction for mowing their own yard because that's not what people in their class did. You did not mow their own yard. That was demeaning and insulting to everyone, and so that was kind of the adult culture. Um, and so I was uh, the pastor of, of the early days of, of um, you know, Severn Baptist Church. We had a, a large group of people over there, and we're working, and it's hot, and we're messy. And the job that I was doing at the moment was a, a five-gallon bucket of what was supposed to be paint. What it actually was was oily water on the top and a lump of clay at the bottom. And so we were trying to find a way to mix this. So one of the guys came up with the idea of a big drill rebar, and, um, and uh, to tie some um, bailing wire around this to mix. So you can imagine how neat this was, right? So I'm getting in there and I'm, I'm you know, trying to make paint out of this so that we can paint some of the finished walls. And of course, as I'm doing it, I'm, I'm, I'm having to go up and down and, and, and inevitably, although I worked really hard not to do it, I, I lifted up too high and splattered, you know, myself. I was already covered with mud and everything. I, I looked like a mess and a fright. And so did now everybody around me covered with this white, chalky, you know, oily paint. And, and about that time, a delegation of, um, of highfalutin Baptist officials pulled up in a couple of cars. I mean, kind of rolled up like, I don't know. Anyway, they just rolled up and got out of their cars like in a diplomatic fashion. And, and they were there to just kind of make a quick visit. And, um, and, and I, I remember... Uh, as they were making through, they were looking for who's in charge. Um, and, and at that point, I'm, I'm down on my knees. I'm, I'm, again, I'm just covered and everything else. 
And so somebody pointed to me, and they looked at me, <laughs> and they walked on by. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they were not going to talk to somebody who looked like me and was down working with, with those, those people. Jesus takes us with all of our adult religious ideas and rules and, and ideas of what's important and who we are, and here's what he says. Child, come here in the, in the center of things. And he says to us all, truly I tell you, unless you all change, you can't stay the way you are, you can't think like you do, you can't live like you are, and become like this little child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. We're talking eternity here. We're talking eternal destinies. We're talking a change of, of how we relate with people, how we, um, you know, how we live power and, and how we rate and rank and evaluate and include people. I mean, all the social order, Jesus is, is throwing into upheaval by, by bringing a child who is a, a nobody in, in the culture and, and says, you guys, with all of your self-importance, all of your religion, all of your rules, you got to drop all of that and become like this little one here. Titles, rank, doesn't matter anymore. All the adult control, pride, and the idolatry, the God substitutes that we turn to are shades of darkness outside of Jesus and His kingdom. Uh, as the kingdom of God comes in our lives through surrender, humility, and a Christ-centered heart becomes our, our, you know, our way of living, and, and, and we become the light of Christ in our homes. And the truth is, in Christ, when we are in Christ, not in ourselves, not in our egos, not in our shame or anything else, but when we are in Christ, we have to mature and, and grow to become like a child. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, the, the Scripture says, you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the, the night or to darkness. So you are a child of the day. And over and over again throughout Scripture, Father uses the language of children to describe us. And when we get that relationship right, when we become God's child, then we will live as God's child for, for God's children. But that relationship has to, has to come in, in our lives. And we have to learn to trust Father as a child. When I was uh, probably about nine years old, uh, I got a kite for, for my birthday. And I think my mom told my dad to go out and, and, um, and fly the kite with me, which is of a point or two less than, you know, dad just wanting to go out, you know, when mom is making him do that. But moms, if you can do that where your child doesn't hear, it's even better, okay? So my dad is going out, walking down to the little park, not too far, to, uh, to fly the kite with me, and up pulls his friend, Mr. Quinn. And, and for the rest of the walk down to the park, it's Mr. Quinn and, and my dad talking, uh, you know, shop, uh, literally, and then, and then I'm walking front holding my kite. We get down there, and they're, they're talking after a while, I'm sitting there holding a kite, and then my dad looks over and remembers why he's there, and he takes the kite, and Oklahoma, wind, and the kite goes, bam, and breaks. And my dad says, oh, I'll get you another one. And then he and Mr. Quinn begin turn, you know, talking, and then they walk back to the, uh, to the house, <laughs> sitting there with my broken little kite. Now, I'm not, I'm not crushed. I'm not crying or anything else, and, and, uh, but I'm just going, well, that didn't go real well. <laughs> that was not what I imagined. And my dad, you know, as he turned, he said, I, I will get you another one. And, uh, and I said, okay. And I waited a day, two days, 
a week, two weeks. And again, it didn't totally crush my little world or anything else. It wasn't like I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't love my dad or I wasn't going to trust any adult ever again. But it's like I just learned something from that. I learned distrust. And a couple of years later, uh, I saved up enough money um, and I bought myself a kite and I, I'm by myself uh, in, in the playground flying my box kite um, for a few brief glorious moments uh, in the Oklahoma wind by myself. And, and I'm enjoying it. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a blue sky and, and, a, and a beautiful box kite with a long tail and just the joy of it was amazing. But I was by myself and I had to do it myself. And I learned not to trust, not to ask, not to depend. All of you all have been wounded as children, some to greater degrees and some to lesser degrees. But you can't live in a broken world without being wounded. You, could, you couldn't be the perfect parent because you're not perfect. But even if you came close, your child is broken. And, you know, um, this is the way of our world. And, and and so all of us bear woundedness and trauma from, from our, our childhood. Unless we change, become like little children and let the healing of Christ come into our lives and the agape of God come into our lives and the work of God come into our lives, our wounding will come out in the wounding of the next generation. How many of you all have ever recognized when you were becoming your parents? My, uh, yes, you can <laughs> raise... My, when my mom was driving, my dad would sit in the driver's seat, and, uh, I, and, and I guess he thought she always drove too close, because you would always hear, you'd see him grip, grip the dash, literally, which is a not-so-subtle thing, and then you'd hear him go, <laughs> through his teeth, you know. And, um, and Marsha's driving, and, and um, Marsha and Mario Andretti, for a dated, you know, um, race car driving reference, uh, the girls... She knows where that right foot pedal is. And, uh, and I'm sitting on the other side, and I don't know that I'm sucking air through my teeth, but all of the discomfort my dad <laughs> expressed, I'm, I'm sitting there, it's like, oh, I'm Harold right now. <laughs> I am Harold. And it just comes out. I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like a little child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Well, for a lot of reasons. But the reality is that, that in that moment that begins and the lifetime that follows of change and surrender, we, we are in a maturing process of, of becoming God's child and, and unlearning everything in this world. You must be born again, Jesus said. That's how basically we start. And a little infant has to learn everything. And so when you and I as as youth or adults are born again and saved, um, we have to unlearn what we've learned and then we have to begin again in the kingdom and learn everything, everything. To love, to trust, to laugh, to give, to forgive, to find joy, to peace, to play. Some of you who lost your childhoods and, you know, some, some um, you know, are so proud of how early they started working. Well, you know what that means to you? For all the good things that you got out of that and learned maturity, you, you lost your, your kid. You lost your, your, your chance to play in the world. It's not too late to become a child and go get some of that back. In far too many of our homes, there's far too much of the darkness of night. We who are supposed to be children of the day. Too much anger, too much alienation, too much resentment, woundedness, selfishness, and just plain smallness. 
And my brothers and sisters in Christ, this should not be. If you are in Christ, then every part of your life is bathed in His light and in His love, including and especially your parenting. Grace begins to, to overflow as you allow your heart to be God's and you learn to be God's child and, and, and that's going to overflow into how you live and how you parent. And I don't want to say nor even attempt to say who goes to heaven and who goes to hell, but I will say this. Jesus said, by their fruit you shall know them. If you claim Christ with your mouth and you are cruel to your kids, I don't think you're going to make it to heaven. I think you might have made it into to some denomination or some religious role, but I don't think you're, you've changed to become like a little child and, and you're learning to be loved and find joy and, and experience grace in a, in a trusting way. Because when you've, when you've received love, you give love. When you've been forgiven, you forgive. When, when, when anger no longer has the energy uh, because love has replaced it, then, then you're not going to stay angry with other people. And I want to, you know, talk more about it next week, but, uh, but there's a, a great book that I want to recommend, a resource for you, Families Where Grace is in Place. We've got some copies out here. You can go on Amazon and probably get it by, I don't know, 3 o'clock this afternoon. But, uh, <laughs> but I want to challenge you to, to read this. It'll, it'll change your life. Um, it is a wonderful resource for us all. So, so let me give some biblical backgrounds if I can. There are very few healthy um, families in the Scripture, you know, oddly. <laughs> you know, you'd expect to, if I'm writing a religious, you know, scripture, if I'm making scripture up, it's going to be full of perfection. But you don't find that in the Bible. You know, you find real. And uh, e even Jesus, one of the things that convinces me about the reality of Jesus is, is that he's on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, if I'm writing that story, my Savior is not going to show any vulnerability. You know, he's going to be a, a one-dimensional kind of flat superhero. But Jesus is trusting his Father. Nevertheless, into your hands I commit my spirit. God, here's what's real in my life. And, 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 and what's more real than what I feel is my trust in you. So, this reality that there are really no healthy families in the, the Scriptures shows us that as God seeks to become the willing father of a, of, a, of a loving family, that He's willing to work with anyone, right? Which means me, which means you, which means you guys, you don't have to come to church pretending you got it all together, because here's a little secret, you don't. Couples come into my office and they're embarrassed, you know, um, and it's like, I know you have problems. You do? How? Because you're married <laughs> and you're human, <laughs> And, and here's a little, you know, I don't think there's any couple that at one point during their life doesn't need counseling, you know, um, I'm just, just saying. And so, so if in the Bible there are no like perfect examples that we're supposed to look to, you know, what are we supposed to do? Well, well I want to share with you, I think Andy Stanley's right, it's the ethics of Jesus that, that guide us in our parenting. And the mountain peak of everything Jesus taught us about transforming life is centered in the, the work of the agape of God, the love of God. Now, 
Now, in Scripture, there's three kinds of love referenced. There's phileo, which is a brotherly kind of love. There's eros, which is, uh, in mixed company, the intimate kind of love. And, and then there's agape, which is the kingdom, extraordinary, right side up, nothing is impossible, uh, infinitely gracious, joyful, uh, darkness-breaking kind of love that God has. There's just, it's just different. It's, it's utterly as selfless as the cross and powerful as the resurrection. And, and so, Jesus himself is the agape of God living on earth. And so, as we look for models, we look to Jesus. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love has been shown to us what it looks like. The selflessness, the extravagance, the generosity of it all. And when Jesus means something to you, he will be translated into how you live, how you are as a dad, how you are as a mom, how you are as a grandparent. Listen, you may have failed utterly as a parent. God gave you a chance as a grandparent. It's not too late. You may be alienated from your adult kids and they don't want to talk to you because of how you were. In Jesus, it is not too late because agape has come into the world and nothing is impossible for the love of God. Saved people surrender their hearts to love God in an all-consuming way. And I am astonished at how many of us as parents have other priorities in our life than loving God and, and, and loving our kids. Here is a, here is a, a uh, test for what really matters in life. What will count in a thousand years? And if it's not going to matter in a thousand years, I guarantee you it's not as important as you think in the next thousand minutes. When you believe in Jesus, when you become His child, and when you learn to mature into, into uh, you know, your full adulthood as, as a child of Christ, love, the agape of God, fills and overflows everything. Teacher and, and adult tester, uh, a Pharisee, a hypocrite, ask Jesus to, to trip him up. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law in Matthew chapter 22? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. Guys, when your heart is filled with love, there's no room for unforgiveness. There's no room for anger and trauma to, to grow and fester in the darkness. When you're loving the Lord your God with all of your mind, there is no room for fear and depression. Even if you struggle with depression, hey, struggle successfully. You can win. You can overcome it. When your mind is filled with the love of God, then, then, then the light has illuminated the darkness that seeks to consume you. And when you love Him with all of your soul, all of your being is consumed with God, then that is going to overflow to others. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two things, Jesus said. Everything that's come before me is summed up in this commandment. This one command, when received, believed, and obeyed, changes everything uh, at home um, you know, and, and, and this is your key to parenting. In John uh, 13, verses 33 through 35, Jesus is about to go to the cross. 
He's about to suffer all of hell and all of the sin of all humanity and and then go to heaven in ascension. And here's what he says in verse 33. My children, my children, mine, because you've given your lives to me, you've trusted me, you've stopped being in control, you've surrendered. You've believed in me more than you've believed in in the wounding of this world. You are mine now, and I have you in the palm of my hands, and I will never lose anyone who is in my my hands. I'm going to be with you only a little while longer. You look for me just as I told the Jews, and so I tell you now where I'm going, you cannot come. Jesus is is referencing, again, the, the, the nailed journey to the cross. A new command I give you. Only time Jesus says this. A clear echo of the ten in the old, Jesus gives this one in the new. Love one another. Agape one another. Don't just have this brotherly love to say, yeah, you're okay. Don't use people sexually to to try to fill the hole in your life with with somebody else. Don't, Don't go in that empty direction. No, agape one another. As I have loved you, man, here's the standard, the, 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 the love that I have demonstrated for you, that's the standard. Nothing short of that is, is acceptable for you. So you must love one another. And I'm telling you, the story of your love will go round the world and change lives forever, Jesus says. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So all of our childhoods were damaged by sin. Everything's been touched and broken by sin, but everything can be healed and redeemed by the love of God. Do you hear me? Everything. There's nothing hopeless. Your family is not hopeless. While there is one breath left in you to pray, to love, there is hope. And and if you are estranged, the story is not finished yet. There is hope in love. So what do I want you to do? As you're becoming God's child and maturing into your childhood in Christ, I want you to love God's children as God's child. Never forget who you are. You're not some wounded, in-control adult. You're a surrendered, loved child of God. And I want you to love God's children. Love God's children. Your kids aren't yours. You know that, don't you? They're on loan from God. And, and, and you're a steward. That's a biblical concept. I, I challenge you to look in the Scriptures to be a steward. A steward is a manager of something that is not theirs. If you're the manager of a hotel, you don't own it. But your job is to be responsible for it, to make sure that it runs well, to look after the owner's interest. You are a steward of what God has given you, and that includes your children. God gave them to you. It includes your finances. God gave them to you. It includes your own life. God gave it to you. And the reality is that, that you know, we need to be ready for what Romans 14, 12 says. So then each of you, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. You're going to act like you own it all and you're in charge? Okay, get ready for a conversation with Father because <laughs> it's coming. The more we fight to control what belongs to God and the more we bring, uh, is, is the more we bring brokenness to ourselves and the people around us. Some of you are fighting to make your spouse who you think they should be. Just stop it. Just stop it and give them to God and let Him be in charge of them. Some of you are fighting to control your children and, and 
And, and I'm not saying don't parent, that's the opposite of what I'm saying, but I'm saying stop trying to control and give them to God and, and start to listen as God's child to how He wants to, to love His child through you. Surrender your children to God. Man, if you're a new parent, that's the best piece of advice I could ever give you. Just surrender your children to God. Give them up in a way that invites God in. And all this is is you getting out of the way so God can work His way. Guys, how do you, how do you love God's children as, as God's child? All of God's kids, the ones that are yours, and, and like Nate said, the ones that aren't yours? How do you, how do you love, uh, you know, how does agape overflow in your life? Use your imagination. You know, in all your parenting, live the golden rule. So whatever you wish that others would do for you, do also for them. As a parent, go back to the pain points in your life. Go back to, the, to the, your own childhood. What do you wish somebody would have done for you? How could you have been blessed as a child? What would you have liked them to, to have done with you, said to you? Um, how present? I mean, just use your imagination. What would have been a joy to you? What would have been a blessing to you? Then go do those things with your kids. And if you don't have kids, then do them with your grandkids. If you don't have kids or grandkids, then look around for somebody's kids who nobody's noticing and, and love them like this. Love God's children as God's child. All of the missed opportunities, all the absences, the voids. What do you wish your parents had done for you? Go do that for the child. How would you have loved to have been blessed? Then go bless a child in Jesus' name. Be an activist. Remember, you know, uh, there, there are so many things that seem more important than nurturing a child in your life. Career and, and paying bills. Garbage. Pay your bills, but garbage. <laughs> Nothing is more important than nurturing a child. Get up off the couch. Do something. Plan something. Say something. Be something. Write something. Be something with your child today. Bring out what's best in them. They're not a little you. Don't expect them to be. They're not your little showpieces to prove what a successful parent you are. Stop worrying about appearances. You're broken. Your kids are broken. Everybody knows that. You know, don't, don't, you, you know, the Facebook appearance thing, just forget about it. Okay? We're all broken. That's the way it is. This isn't about you living secondhand through them. You know, I, 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 uh, I, professional baseball player I knew who was failing in his later career and, and had been sent back down to the minors and, 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 and couldn't even really make it uh, as, as a catcher into a triple A AAA league. He, he had, a, uh, he had a, 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 a child at home that had cerebral palsy, um, nonverbal and in a wheelchair and he had no time for that child because that child was never going to be an athlete, never going to be, or, you know, was never going to be the, you know, what he thought a, a, a man should be. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm sorry, but nobody really is going to remember your name anyway, but, but your child would in your work. This isn't about bringing out another little you. It's about you letting the Holy Spirit heal all this broken from your childhood and you becoming God's child now, ever more so. There's nothing He can't do to bring grace into the life of your family through you. It may take counseling, it may take humanizing your parents. Uh, honor them for everything honorable, but face the truth about everything broken that they passed on to you and don't imitate it. Some of you have put your parents above God. They're an idol to you. And, and, 
and what they have said about you is more important than what God has said about you. They may have said you're a failure, you're not as good as, and, and, and you're still down in the wounding of that when God has said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And when you hold what they've said above what God said, hey, that's, that's called idolatry. Honor them for everything honorable, but humanize them. Guys, I, I just wanted to say, lastly, I'm out of time. Just, just live the fruit of the Spirit. If you want to know what it looks like to, to love your child as God's child, then just live the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. Show love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That's what it looks like. That's what home can be look like. And you say, well, I can't do this because of so-and-so and, and my husband or my wife or my... Forget it. We're talking about you. You can be the, you can be the outlet in your home, like, like bringing the sprinkler into the, uh, the living room and turning it on. You can be the one that showers the family with the grace and the agape of God's love. So let me conclude with this. If we are the children of God, then the agape of God is going to break out all the brokenness in our own hearts and if we are the children of God, then God the Father will be parenting through us every child that God brings into our life and our orbit. If we are God's children, then we're going to cherish God's children. So accept your, pl your place of grace in the family of God. You can be God's well-loved child. And be God's grace in your family. Love God's children as God's child and watch how heaven comes down. That's my invitation to you today. And if you need to become God's child, then we want to help you do that. If you would like to, to pray with us, we will be here to pray. If you need some time in your own heart to redirect your parenting or, or to, to open up your heart, as Nate is doing, to, to children that are not biologically yours, then I want you to use this time to mature, let go, and just become God's trusting, well-loved kid. Father, this is our prayer in Jesus' name.